couple of Sundays as we've been sealing a deal regarding the blessing. Amen. Amen. And we also know to seal the deal and walk in what God has in store for us for 2018, as our Bishop Butler graciously stated. Amen. We have to walk in the royal law of the kingdom. Let me say it again. We have to walk in the royal law of the kingdom. It ain't no maybe. Come on, say amen, somebody. We got to get this area of our lives straight, folks. Because it's causing such a hindrance in everything that we're believing God for. Are you listening to me out here? So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse, chapter 13, verse 8 with me, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. Walking in the royal law of the kingdom. 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Because today I'm going to give you the how-tos. The how-tos. Amen. First Corinthians 13, let's go over a little bit of what we went over last week. It says, charity, which is love, never what? Come on, say love. Never fails. Turn to your neighbor, love. Never fails. Turn to another neighbor, say love. Never fails. And see, to walk in the blessing, everything must hang on love. Turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Everything must hang on L-O-V-E, love. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Notice what it says here. Amen. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision, circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith, which what? Worketh by what? Faith which worketh by what? Love. Once again, the faith that connects us to the blessing worketh by what? Worketh by what? But we also know the fear, because fear does do this. Fear that disconnects you from the blessing is cast out by love. So the bottom line is love. The key word is, the key word is, the key word is love. Go to 1 John 2.10. We have to develop this character in our lives. It's a must and it's crucial in the time we're living in. 1 John 2.10, it says, He that loveth his brother abideth where? In the light, and there is none what? Listen to that now. It says, there is none occasion of stumbling in him. In other words, he says, there will not be even one occasion where I will stumble if I walk in love. Let me say it again. There will not be one occasion where I will stumble, stumble if I walk in love. So if I'm stumbling right now, in any area of my life, I better check this area right here. Am I truly walking in love? Look at verse 11. It says, but he that hateth his brother is in what? Darkness. And walketh in what? Darkness. And knoweth not whether he goeth because that darkness has what? Blinded his eyes. See, walking in love keeps us in the brightness of the blessing, folks. And it keeps us out of the darkness of the curse. Amen. But turn to Matthew 22, 37. Because everything hangs on this right here. Everything hangs on this right here, folks. Everything in your life hangs on this right here. Matthew 22, 37. That's why this is an area we can't ever stop preaching. Because it's one of the biggest challenges in your life. Come on, say amen, somebody. Because somebody's always bound to piss you off. <laughs> Come on, say amen. So Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt what? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. With all thy soul, with all thy mind, this is the first and great commandment. 
And the second is like unto it, thou shalt what? Love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Everything in your life, everything concerning how blessed you truly want to be or are hangs on these two commandments, folks. Those two commandments are what? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy what? Heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind. But the second one is what? Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thy what? As thyself. Everything, say neighbor, everything hangs on those two laws. And once again, loving, love, walking in love is not just a suggestion. It's not just a good idea. According to the scripture, love is a commandment of God because why? Love is the law that governs the operation for you to be blessed or not. So tell your neighbor, it's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's not just a good idea. You got to walk in love. Go back to Galatians 5, 6. Let's look at that one more time. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Come on, God brought Bishop all the way down here just to tell you to walk in love. <laughs> and tell you why you should walk in love. And what you're missing out on if you don't walk in love. When you going to get it? <laughs> Galatians 5, 6, look at it again. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision avail of anything, nor uncircumcision, but what? Faith which works by love. See, the law of faith works right alongside the law of love, folks. And once again, faith works by love like a car works with gasoline. No gas, no go. No faith or no love, no faith. No faith, no receiving. How simple can you get it? It doesn't take a rocket science to figure that out. No gas, no go. Have you tried it lately? No love, no faith. No faith, I ain't getting nothing. And see, like the law of gravity, faith worker by love is an irrefutable spiritual law. Tell your neighbor, it's a law. Turn to Romans 8, 2. Because love is the law of the spirit of life. Once again, love is the law of the spirit of life. And Romans 8, 2 says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free, has broken me loose from the what? From the law of what? Sin and death. Them are the two major laws operating in this planet right now. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and the law of sin and death. Amen. But if you put yourself over in the law of sin and death by walking outside of love, guess what? You get the consequences of the law of sin and death. For if I put myself in the law of love, which is the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus, guess what? I receive the benefits of walking in love and life everlasting. Are you listening to me out here? Now, the reason love and life are so closely connected, because God, somebody say God, the author and the generator of life, he is love. Tell your neighbor, God is love. So going back to John chapter 1, verse 1, now we rephrased the first few verses of John chapter 1, 2, and 3, and we read it like this, because God is love, right? Come on, God is love, right? Come on, God is love, right? So we, we, we replaced the word God with love. So in the beginning was the word, and the word was with love. 1 John 1, 1. And the word was love. The same was the beginning with love. All things were made by love, and without love was not anything made that was made. 
The reason we replace everything, replace God with the word love, because God is love, but the main thing is understanding that it says all things were made by love, and without love was not anything made that was made. That means every cell of your physical body, every molecule in this physical material universe, every handful of dirt, every bird that flies. Come on, say amen, somebody. Every fish in the sea and the sea itself all were made by love's hand. Come on. Love created you. Let me say it again. Love created you. Come on. Love breathed life into you. Therefore, everything, everything that's contrary to love goes against your very substance. Every word of disharmony, every word of disharmony that comes out of your mouth violates the way you were made. Every unloving word, every unloving thought, every unloving actions does violence to the very nerve cells of your physical body. Are you listening to me out here? Turn to Proverbs 14.30. Your love walk is determined how physically fit you are. Proverbs 14.30. Why? Because love created you. And anything that violates that love, guess what? Affects you. Because you were created with love. Oh, come on. Proverbs 14.30. A sound heart is, a, is the life of the flesh. But envy is the what? Rottenness of the bones. Now we can see why Jesus said that love is the greatest commandment, folks. Somebody say it's the greatest commandment. No wonder he made it a command to love the Lord thy God of all thy heart, might, and strength, and love your neighbor as thyself. Why? Because it affects you. To your neighbor, it affects you. When we strive and fuss with other people, folks, we become our own worst enemy. And we actually begin to self-destruct. We want to blame everybody else. But the finger always points back to. Hallelujah. I didn't think, I didn't think I'm going to get a big amen, but that's all right. Go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8. Because when we walk in love, when we walk in love, we not only bless others, but you'll find when we walk in love, we actually build up ourselves. It affects us. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8. Notice what he says here. Knowing that whatsoever bad thing, whatsoever terrible thing, whatsoever good thing that any man what doeth, the same he shall receive from who? From the Lord, whether he be bound or free. In other words, every act of love that I do, Every word of kindness that I say, every loving gesture that people see in me affects me, enlivens me. Come on, say amen, somebody. In other words, the cells in our bodies respond to it. My mind responds to it. My spirit expands on the inside of me, strengthening and preparing me to walk in what God has called me to do. Come on, say amen, somebody. But when I take a step outside of that love, which we do too often. Okay, amen, amen. When I take a step outside of that love, what I do? I just step right into darkness. And that's where the curse is. And it's not where we as believers are supposed to be. Come on, say amen, somebody. Why? We belong in the light. Tell your neighbor, you belong in the light. Why? Because we were born of light, folks. We were born of God. Amen? And just as God is, God is love, God is also what? Light. And we're supposed to walk as children of the light. 
That's what we're supposed to do. Come on, say amen, somebody. Matter of fact, once again, let me tell you this again. Every time you get into strife, medically speaking, every time you get into strife, it slugs your nervous system. It slugs your nervous system. That is a medically proven fact. Once again, I encourage you to get a copy of Don Colbert's book, Deadly Emotions. And it will show you, and he'll explain to you in detail from a medical profession, how your attitude and how your character and things that you do outside of love actually affects chemicals, reactions in your body. Why? Because the human body is a veritable chemistry plant. And any form of strife sends shockwaves through it. And see, the body's chemistry can get so out of balance, it messes up your brain. And when that happens, our perspective becomes skewed, resulting in wrong thinking. Are you listening to me out here? And what happens? Then the devil comes in and takes advantage of it. And the first thing he'll do, he'll send a demonic spirit follow you around. To do what? Amen? And that demonic spirit is all the time, he's spilling out negative garbage in your mind. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. Negative garbage in your mind. Negative garbage in your mind. Because why? You opened the door for it. Your brain was compromised. That garbage actually starts to make sense to you. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. And I'm telling you right now, if you don't run to the word of God and get yourself straightened out, you'll start believing that devilish junk. Amen for me out here. And that's the way Christians slip into depression. And that's the way Christians get into, get other, have, end up having other disorders of their mind. Come on, are you with me out here? But the question is, we talked about this last week, how do I stop reacting to strife? The answer was, we went over it in detail, stop practicing anger. Stop practicing anger. <laughs> stop practicing anger. And I told you to think about all the things you get angry with. Somebody driving in front of you, you get angry. You, you yelling at them, and they can't even hear you. All they see is your mouth moving. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. Glory to God. We get angry over the little simple things, not realizing we are now practicing anger. And we wonder why we're angry all the time. Because it's become a what? It's become a what? It's become a what? Practice. See, when your feelings get hurt and you're tempted to walk outside of love, what are you supposed to do? You got to tell your flesh what to do. Come on, say amen, somebody. You got to tell your mind what to think because your mind go all over the place. We ain't, we ain't hearing it, but you saying all kind of stuff in your mind. Come on. A lot of you even cussing in your mind. This thing coming out your mouth, but you cussing. You bleep, 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 bleep. How do I know? Just look at your face. See, you may not say it, but your face tells a lot, you know. Come on now. You got to tell your mouth what to say. Or you end up giving someone a piece of your mind that you don't even have. Glory to God. And what will happen is you'll give up your place. You'll give up your place and the overflowing blessings of God. Because why? You cannot operate in strife and in the blessing at the same time. Tell your neighbor it's not going to work. And that in and of itself should be enough reason to run away from strife. And get that anger out of my system. Get that what? Anger out of my system. Get that what? 
anger out of my system. We got to start killing strife before it ever gets started because it's not worth it. The blessing is too high of a price. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. Now, we've talked about this, started to talk about this last week. To stay out of strife, we must not only learn to deal with enemies, amen, deal with our enemies in love, and walk, in, walk with our enemies in love when they come against us, but we also have to learn to deal with our Christian brothers and sisters that do us wrong. Has anybody ever been done wrong by our Holy Ghost fields, tongue talking, Bible wagging, Christian? <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. And Jesus addressed this, this issue directly. Go to Matthew 18, 15. But we got to deal with our Christian brothers and sisters when they do us wrong, folks. Because when you got born again, doesn't make you exempt. And a lot of times we think, we got this thinking in our head that we come into a church and everybody's supposed to act Christian-like. Okay, let me try to slide over here. <laughs> we come into the church and everybody's supposed to act like a Christian. How many people found out that not everybody acts like a Christian? <laughs> But what happens is we put that expectation on that Christian that they can't meet because why? Everybody in this room is at different levels. Amen. And the minute you find a perfect church and you walk in the door, it just became imperfect. Because <laughs> you walked in the door. Because <laughs> nobody is perfect we're striving but not everybody's arrived see you may arrive in one area while somebody else arrived in another area and everybody's arriving in different areas of their life so what you get pissed off about they may have not gotten delivered in that area because you got delivered from it you said you should be acting like that you're supposed to be a Christian The question is, who's walking out of love? You or them? Come on, say amen. Look at Matthew 18, 15. It says, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, he said, thy brother, thy brother, thy brother, go tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy what? Brother. That's the bottom line. You want to gain that brother back again. That's the ultimate conclusion that God wants to have. Come on, say amen, somebody. But it says, if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. In other words, if there's something between you and another believer, you make the first move. One amen, two amen, three amen. <laughs> you make, I ain't even got warmed up yet, y'all. I'm not even at a quarter of a way yet, finish yet. Y'all ain't saying nothing now. Wait till I get down to the bottom. Maybe I should say this. Say, I love Pastor Walker. Okay, let's get that out the way. <laughs> Amen. So now I said, you make the what? First move. Don't sit around waiting for him to apologize to you. It doesn't make any difference who's right or who's wrong, folks. What matters is getting the problem solved so that the blessing can function freely on you and between you. That's the bottom line. Tell your neighbor, that's the bottom line. Now, if you go to him or her, and they won't listen to you because they have a root of bitterness in them. And they won't let it go because you have people like that. I don't care what you say to them, that bitterness, they still going to look at you like that, that screw face, face look. 
But it says here, take another brother in the Lord with you. The key word, take another brother in the Lord. Another person in the Lord. Don't you take one of your heathen friends. Another brother in, and the key word, in the Lord. Don't take somebody that's halfway in and halfway out. Somebody you know that's walking the walk and talking the talk. Come on, say amen, somebody. Now, it's not just anybody. Not all Christians are walking the walk and talking the talk. Okay, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. But you take another brother in the Lord with you. Do your best to make peace and put things right. Tell your neighbor, do your best. Now, in a case that where that doesn't work, then you take it to the church. Now, that doesn't mean get in front of the congregation. And tell the whole story. That does not mean that. Come on, somebody, Pastor, can I have the mic? No. <laughs> That's not what Jesus was talking about at all, folks. What do you do? You bring the situation to the pastor or the leader assigned to help in this kind of thing. Let them know, I need your assistance with this. I don't, I listen, I've done what the word says. I, I, bought, I talked to him. I went to the sister and the brother, and we tried to talk to him again, and we still can't get this issue resolved. That pastor can then let the brother in question know that even though he is loved, the church can't afford to sit by and let strife, come on, let this strife business interrupt the prayer agreement and the blessing that comes on a body of unified believers. Come on, say amen, somebody. Now, if the offended or brother, brother or sister still insist on being in strife, then the church must relate to him a different, a different way. Come on, say amen, somebody. But that doesn't mean the church should kick him out of the church. Jesus didn't say get rid of them all together. He said don't be in strife with him and get him out of your prayer life. Get that agreement out of the way so it doesn't destroy the operations of the blessing. Did you hear what I just said? Get that disagreement out of the way so it doesn't what? Destroy the operation of the blessing. That's what strife in churches does. It hinders the corporate blessing. It's not just affecting you, it's affecting us. If the devil can get us, not just as individuals, but as a body, if he can get us to step off the love line and get into fighting with each other, he can get us over into his territory. And he can have a heyday with, with us just, just as much as he wants to because why? He's loud because you allowed him. And he gets away with it. Tell you, he gets away with it. And he can drag, he'll drag sickness into our midst. Come on. He'll drag siphoning, he'll start siphoning off your finances. You wonder why I stay broke? He can shut down our faith and actually contaminate the gifts of the Spirit to the point if they're functioning at all, it's, such, it's, it's, listen, it's at such a low level, they are totally ineffective. Matter of fact, amen, go to 1 Corinthians 12, 12 31. See, it never occurs, it never occurs to some believers that love has anything to do with the manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit or the lack of them. The New Testament is clear about this connection. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. Then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. It says, I'm reading from the New King James Version. You can read along with me. He says, but earnestly desire the what? Best gifts. Yet I show you a what? More excellent way. Verse 1, chapter 13, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not, but have not, but have not, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clingling cymbal, making a lot of noise. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not, but have not, but have not love, 
I am nothing. And though I bestow all my gifts to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Then he goes on to say, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love not, not, does not parade itself and is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. But rejoices in the what? Truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures. Endures. How many things? How many things? Love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will what? Vanish away. Listen, love and the gifts of the Spirit are tied together. Because why? The gifts of the Spirit are part of the blessing. Come on. The more we walk in love, the more they will operate in our lives. Not just when we're in church, but all the time. All right, let me say that one more time. The more we what? walk in love, the more they will operate in our lives, not just when we're in church, but all the time. Listen, if we try to function in the gifts, however, with unrepentant violations of this love commandment outstanding in our lives, our tongue talking will be worthless. You can hum a shikan all you want. Our prophesying will be empty. And our giving will not cause us to prosper. Why? Because none of those things work without the love of God, folks. Get that in your head. Love is the powerhouse. Love never fails. Look at verse 8. 1 Corinthians 13.8. It says, Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy what? In part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that, that which is in part shall be done away with. And I understand this religion. Somebody say religion. Religion has misinterpreted the last portion of this passage and taught people that we're in a new, we're in a new dispensation. So we don't really need prophecy anymore. And tell your neighbor, that is ridiculous. Because keep a marker there and look at 1 Corinthians 14, 3 quickly. 1 Corinthians 14, 3, tell your neighbor again, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Sound like that commercial, right? Ridiculous. <laughs> First Corinthians 14, 3. It says, But he that what? Prophesies, speak unto men to what? Edification and exhortation and comfort. Do we still need to be edified? Do we still need to be exhorted? Do we still need to be comforted? Come on, we still need all these things, right? So why would prophecy be thrown away if I still need to be edified, I still need to be exhorted, I still need to be comforted? Do we still need prophecy? Go back to 1 Corinthians 13, 8 again. Let's read it over again. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. If we still need these things, folks, that means these verses must be saying something else. 
Does that make sense to anybody in the room? Here's the key. Insert the phrase, in other words. Somebody say that, in other words. Say it again, in other words. If you insert the phrase, in other words, you'll see what it is. So after telling us in verses 1 through 8 how the lack of love robs the gifts of their true power and describing to us the behavior of love, the behavior of love, the passage goes on to say, in other words, if you try to prophesy without the love of God, your prophecy will fall useless to the ground. It will fail. And even if your prophecy is true, it won't help the people who will hear it because why? There's no love manifested in it. There's no power there. It's just dead. Without love. Other words, without love, you'll get to the point where you won't even bother speaking in tongues anymore. Tongues will cease. Without love, the gifts of the Spirit will just dry up and you won't have them anymore without love. In other words, are you with me out here? Here's an example. Say there's a piece of pipe. For you mathematicians and you people that work in plumbing, you people may, you know, know some, you know, you can get it more visual than other people. Say you have a piece of pipe seven inches in diameter, four feet long. And it's suspended in the air right in front of you. Now, a torrential flow, which looks like water, is coming into the pipe from one end, which is the glory of God coming out of heaven. Come on, are you picturing it? So the glory is gushing down in this pipe. Hitting the end of the pipe and splattering in every direction. Yet, coming out the other end of this pipe, it's just a tiny stream that just spewed out and hit you in the face. And it got kind of annoying because why? It's like somebody shooting a water gun in your face. You know, little, little baby water guns. Come on, say, hey, man, somebody. Well, what's happening? What's happening? Why is it gushing in one end, but very little coming out the other end? The problem is, the pipe is dirty. It's full of silt. What is silt? Silt is very fine dirt. That washes into a river or a lake. Are you with me out there? Now, it will suspend in water and gradually seep to the bottom. And over the period of years, if you don't do something about it, it will fill up the lake and you end up with little more than a mud hole. Understand this. That's what's happening with your spirit. It becomes full of spiritual dirt that has slipped in, in there one grain at a time. And it becomes so plugged up that the glory can't flow through it. And see, the glory of God represents the blessing, folks. Tell your neighbor, it represents the blessing. But the question is, what kind of dirt is in there? Well, let's see. The kind of dirt is in there is unrepentant violations of the law of love that you have paid no attention to. And what has happened is they have built up over the years until they have finally clawed up your spirit. And if you don't clean them out, whatever you're doing for God, and the anointing of your life will be in trouble. Oh, come on now. And you will also be in financial trouble because why? With all that junk in the way, 
God can't do for you what he wants to do financially in your life and ministry to show you the violence unless you get rid of the violations. You got to ask the Lord, show me what violations I'm talking about. God will show you the violations. He will show you. He'll show you a violation. You even performed this before you came to church today. Okay, hallelujah. But ask the Lord. Ask him to show you what, what violation we're talking about. And he'll show you. There are so many violations of the commandment of love that you never repented of. And it's caused your spirit to be full of trash. And it's like you don't care enough about the commandment of love to do anything about it. You choose to continue to walk outside of that commandment of love. You choose to do it. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. I told you, y'all said I love you a long time ago. <laughs> I got that out the way. Listen, walking in love is a commandment, not a suggestion. But once again, ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to bring to your mind everything you need to repent about. Somebody say everything. everything. Now, after you do that, there may be some phone calls <laughs> and apologies that may have to be made to some people. Okay, let me try this side. Y'all look at me kind of crazy on that side. <laughs> there may be some apologies and phone calls that you may have to make to some people. There may be some notes of repentance that may have to be written. Come on. Whatever, listen, whatever it takes to get the pipes clean so that the glory can flow and manifest in your life and your family and your ministry, folks. Come on, say amen, somebody. Whatever it takes, turn your neighbor, whatever it takes. Well, listen to me closely. We're talking about the how-tos now. When I say repent, I don't mean beat yourself up and wall around and regret over what you did. I didn't say ball and squall. Say, oh, Jesus. I'm so sorry. I'm such a dog. I'm such a, I'm just a, 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 a filthy worm. That's not repentance. Say, neighbor, that's not repentance. That's self-condemnation. And it doesn't, it doesn't, listen, it doesn't do anyone any good. Not you, not God, and not the person you wronged. Come on, say amen, somebody. So don't ever approach repentance that way. Instead, follow the instructions God gave us in 1 John 1, 9. Turn there. God made it simple. Just follow his instructions. And you'll be all right. He says what here? 1 John 1, 9. If we what? If we what? Confess. I know it's going to get quiet. It's, I mean, it's, it's been quiet for the last 10, 15 minutes, you know. <laughs> In this Presbyterian church. Come on. <laughs> if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteous. Sim listen. Simply say, Lord. You simply say, Lord, I confess this sin to you in full confidence that as my advocate and high priest before the Father, you forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I know you love me, Lord. So, Lord Jesus, I know my heavenly Father loves me, and I believe that right now, that your blood has washed me. Come on. From the crown of my head to the very soles of my feet. And I'll never claim that sin again. Amen. It's not mine anymore. Amen. It's gone and I am forgiven. Because the problem is we have a problem forgiving ourselves. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. Now, understand this. You might still feel guilty. Amen. Your emotions may feel like a hammer was dropped on them, but don't be moved by your emotions, folks. 
Just believe the word. Come on. Just be what? Just believe the word. Command those symptoms. And Listen. Command those symptoms of condemnation and relief. You say, condemnation, I'm not taking you on today. And then go on your way rejoicing in Jesus. And every time the thought of that sin comes back to you or what you did, you put it down by faith. You follow 2 Corinthians 10.4. Turn there. Because the devil will bring it back up to you. What you did. What you said. How you violated that law. But you said, no, 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 no. I took that before the Lord. And he cleansed me from all unrighteousness. I'm not claiming that sin anymore. And right now he says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But mighty through God to the pulling down of our strongholds, casting down imaginations. Casting it down. Casting it down. Casting it down. Casting it down. And every high thing that exalts itself against the what? The knowledge of God and bringing it to what? Captivity. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. If you continue to do this, folks, after a while, your consciousness and emotions will be purged of that sin. Are you listening to me out here? You'll find that faith in the truth of God's words of forgiveness has made you free. But listen, don't wait until the silt starts piling up in your spirit before you start repenting. The minute you step out of love, repent right then. I'm saying it again. Repent right then. Don't put it off until you can get away and take some time to pray about it. No. Stop immediately and say, God, forgive me. I repent. I refuse to go that way. Come on, say amen, somebody. I receive your forgiveness, and I'm getting right back on the path of love right now. Come on, I'm, t- I'm telling you how to. Now, if you said or did something, that affected another person, fix it right away. And it doesn't make any difference what, you know, what anybody says, come on, or thinks about what you're doing. Say, neighbor, that's beside the point. What's important is that you flush out the poison. What's important is that you what? You flush the poison out of your spirit, out of your soul, out of your body. Get rid of that spiritual toxin because why? It will go to work on you if you don't deal with it. So deal with it before it starts working on the inside of you. Get rid of the bitterness. Now, you have some people may say, well, Pastor, I don't mind repenting someone, someone, you know, to someone for what they did wrong. But my problem is, and what irritates me, <laughs> is when people who have done me wrong won't do the same things in return. I'm hitting you life, right, left, back, and forth. I'm hitting you all around before you leave here today. If you're going to walk in love, you have to get over that. Tell your neighbor, you got to get over it. Tell somebody else, you got to get over it. You got to get over that, folks. You have to forgive those people whether they ask you to forgive them or not. Why? Because refusing to forgive is a breach of the commandment of love. And it's also one of the most ignorant things you can do. Come on. Holding on to offense. Holding on to an offense against someone. Listen to me now. Holding on to an offense against someone is like you drinking poison and hoping it kills them. (laughs) 
See, that sounds crazy, but apart from love, that's the way people think. Exercising forgiveness, on the other hand, releases health and life, folks. And it is, the most, it is one of the most powerful things you can do, amen, to get love and power of God flowing freely through you again. Oh, come on, are you with me out here? So it's something you have to always take time to do, do it, and do it very often. Amen. Get off by yourself every once in a while. Get off by yourself every once in a while and ask the Lord to remind you of anyone you need to forgive. And you'll find all kind of names start coming up. <laughs> How do I know? I tried it. <laughs> all kind of names start coming up. Come on, say amen, somebody. And then what you do, you picture that person in your mind. And you purposely begin to think loving thoughts about them. Purposely. Your flesh don't want to, but you got to purposely. Well, look at the scripture support of that. Philippians 4 8. Picture that person in your mind and purposely begin to think loving thoughts about them. Purposely. You do it on. <laughs> Philippians 4 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And as you begin to think loving thoughts about him or her, you say, Lord, I know you love that person just as much as you love me. So I am exercising forgiveness over them. I'm changing my attitude towards them. I'm changing my attitude towards them. Lord Jesus, I see you wrapping your arms, your big loving arms around them right now. I see you forgiving them and letting them know how much you love them. Come on, say amen. Somebody. See, I don't care what they think about me. I'm just loving them through you. Come on, are you with me out here? Now, if you see that person three or four days later, And you find those old offended feelings rising back up again. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. Don't allow that. Don't let that knock you off your, your stand of faith. Why? Those feelings are just in your flesh. Say they're in the flesh. Not your spirit. So what do you do? You take authority over them. You say, no, I'm not yielding to that junk. I have forgiven that person in the name of Jesus, and I love them. Then go out your way to walk over to them and say, hey, man, I love you. Let's pause right here. Say la. Let's think about it. <laughs> now they may turn, they may listen, they may turn their back on you and walk away. But that doesn't have anything to do with you. As long as you keep forgiving. As young as you keep loving, you're strengthening the operation of blessing in your life. Come on, say amen, somebody. 
And good things will start happening for you when you forgive as a sacrifice people who treat you badly. And when they come around you, you just smile. And you love on them and say, bless you, brother. Bless you, sister. And what happens? You become more than a conqueror through him who loves you. Come on, anybody get anything out of this? And the longer you live like that, the stronger the power of love and faith become in you. And eventually, it'll get to the point where it's bigger than what you can contain. And it begins to flow out of you and control the atmosphere around you. And some people won't even be able to stand when you walk through the door because you're so anointed. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, they'll grab your hand and say, pray for me. You convict me of my sin just because of the presence on you. Why? Because love never fails. If you put it to work by faith, it will produce marvelous things in your life. But there is a word of conscience. Thought I was done with you, didn't I? <laughs> I got to hit you hard while you're here, you know. There is a word of caution. Don't ever try to use love on someone in an effort to change them. Say that again. Don't ever try to use love on someone in an effort to change them. Changing them is not your job. See, it's none of your business whether they care about you or not. It's none of your business whether anyone cares about you or not. Tell your neighbor, it's none of your business. Tell somebody, it's none of your business. It's your business to care about them. And you have no business trying to change other people. If they need to change, that's between them and God. And listen, don't waste your time praying, oh, Lord, change my husband. Oh, Lord, change my wife. And then if they don't change, you go right back to acting ugly again. Talking about I can't take it anymore. You just violated the commandment of love and you clogged up your spirit. Just stay busy doing what God commanded you to do. What is that? Occupy yourself with loving them. Do what? Occupy yourself with loving them. And it'll be amazing when you do this, folks. Your perspective starts to shift. And listen, it doesn't take months and don't take years. It happens more quickly than you would expect. Suddenly, what happens is suddenly what other people think of you doesn't mean anything to you anymore. Why? You're so wrapped up in the love of God. You're so thrilled with the fact that he loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. And you're so busy expressing love to others. You're so busy expressing love to others. Nothing else makes any difference. Come on. The power of love catches you up and out of the muck of the world. That's driving everybody else and elevates you to a higher place. Come on, it lifts you, listen, it lifts you up, why? So you can be, listen, it lifts you up 
so you can begin to minister to those who are truly suffering. And before long, love is flowing through you in such a measure that you're always looking for somebody to bless. Same as somebody. Instead of thinking, what about, us? What, what about me? Instead of thinking what others can do for you, you'll be saying, is there any way I can help? Is there anything I can do for you? Now, this may be difficult for a lot of people who, when it comes to love, is totally opposite to your natural lifestyle because you've been walking angry so long. You've been walking in unforgiveness so long. But when you do, folks, when you do that and you continue to walk that way and say things that are, contra- are crosswise to God's desire, when you get irritated, when you snap at people, Amen. let me say it again. When you do and say things that are con- crosswise to God's desires, what's his dire- desire? Walking what? Love. When you get irritated, and you know you get irritated, when you snap at people, and you know you snap at people, hallelujah. Understand this. God can't join in with that. He can't be a part of it. So he has to withdraw from a part of your life. And he doesn't like being locked out of any part of your life. He wants to be a part of the whole thing. Come on. He wants to bless everything you do, everything you say, and everywhere you go. And he will manifest himself at all times if you will learn to walk in love. Do what? Walk in love. And the more you learn to walk in love, the more he can manifest himself in your life. Everywhere, at all time. And your life will be better than you ever dreamed it could be. And it'll be all because of love. All heads bowed, all eyes closed in prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody need to say thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we give you praise, Lord. We give you glory, Lord. We give you honor, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 See, now you should understand why this has become, if you think about it, the biggest challenge in your life is dealing with people. Walking with love and seemingly unlovable people. But you're not realizing what the enemy is doing to you. You're just accepting it and say, I got to get this off my chest. Well, all the time, devil's putting something on your back. And now you can't run as fast as God wants you to run. Because you got to wait. On your back. Come on, say amen, somebody. And you keep going on with that thing, and it becomes clogged up more and more and more. You get to the point, I don't even feel the Spirit of God no more. And you blame the church. I ain't sensing the Spirit flowing anymore. It ain't the church. Because God's flowing all the time. It's because you got something clogged up. Where you can't even sense his presence anymore. I'm preaching good here. That's why you have to get this right in your life. Like I said, go off to the side. Get by yourself. Every day, if you have to, ask the Lord, who did I piss off today? Who did I get 
angry with. I mean, I'm not talking about the big angries when you just blow up. There's, there's some little ones that you just got pissed off with somebody. And you didn't repent. That's another grain in your spirit. And you'll do it again. Another grain. And another grain. And another grain. And another grain. And another grain. Till you become so spiritually dense. But you'll blame it on the pastor. You'll blame it on the other brothers and sisters in the church. They don't love me no more. And it's all because you clogged up the pipe. Because love never fails. Lift your hands before the Lord. Father, we thank and we praise you. We glorify you, Lord. 